Let's see. Let's go to text messages. Um, and somebody's texting in because we were talking about conspiracy theories earlier and yes. uh, the number, the percentage of people that believe in conspiracy theories. And this person texted in to say that not to believe in conspiracy in conspiracies is not believing in the great controversy between Jesus and Satan. Now, I'm going to stop there before I read the rest of the text message because I feel that it is worthwhile explaining that belief in Satan fits within the definition of a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. I believe in Satan, you believe in Satan, all Christians believe in Satan. So, And, you know, all Muslims believe in Satan, all Jews believe in Satan. And so, you know, one could see that as being a conspiracy theory. Okay, some really good points that uh, continues on from here. Satan has conspired, right, against humanity, beginning in the Garden of Eden, Throughout history, he has separated the great majority of humanity from God, causing all the wars that have ever happened, misery, hunger, pain, disobedience, and sin. We fight against principalities in high places. That is, the leaders of this world. Satan divides nations and empires and conquered them from within. All this is happening in America at the moment and has been for a long time. And the majority of people don't believe in conspiracies. Mm. Yeah, it's a very valid point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can read these things, you know, and 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 you know, according to the secular definition of a conspiracy theory, Satan being out there stirring up all of this trouble and us fighting against, you know, unseen powers. In other words, Satan and his angels can be seen as being a conspiracy theory, but it is absolutely biblical, and I believe that the evidence for it is absolutely convincing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, where, where's all this evil coming from if it's not coming from somewhere? They don't understand, ooh, they don't understand uh, biblical history or the great controversy happening as we speak. God help us. Um, yeah, so very good point right there yeah, absolutely. in relationship to there is a great conspiracy that is taking place. It is very real, and that is the conspiracy that Satan is out there and he is trying to... Uh, get into the hearts and minds of men and turn us away from God and to destroy us. Yeah. Anyway, talking about conspiracies that are trying to destroy us, let's read about one in Isaiah. Mm. So we've been reading about, uh, in the book of Isaiah, we've been reading about the story of Hezekiah and Sennacherib. Fascinating stuff. There is one more part to this particular story that we have not yet covered, and I wish we had a week to cover it. Mm. So this is Isaiah chapter 38 and chapter 39. Um, ah, wow. Just let's start reading. Just, just read a whole bunch of this story. <laughs> chapter 38 and chapter 39, and then we'll give some historical context and some um, moral lessons and biblical lessons as we work our way through. Okay, I'll pray before I read. Um, you guys can join me if you want. All right. Dear God, thank you so much for this this morning um, that we're on air, that the people who are listening um, have been able to listen with us. And as we read your word, God, just um, yeah, give us your spirit that we can um, have our faith grow and understand more of who you are, more of who we are. Thank you for your goodness and hearing our prayers. Amen. Okay, so chapter 38 says, At about that time Hezekiah, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Mm, Terry, how would you be feeling about this particular point right now? You get sick. Mm. 
you send for the prophet, and the prophet's like, yeah, I got a message from God. Oh, that's great. You're gonna it's die. nice to have a message from God when mm. you are feeling unwell. And Isaiah's like, right, you will, you're going to die. Yeah. Ooh, ouch. There's a mixed feeling that I think I would feel. Like on one hand, that sucks. Like this is not good. Yes. On the other hand, I'd be like, oh, at least I know. Do you mean this, there's sometimes and there's something? Thirdly, mm. And thirdly, God knows. That's right. Yeah. And God is in control. Mm. He's not ignorant. He's not of what he, what is going on. He's not ignorant of my pain. He's not sort of sitting back there somewhere in space like, oh, oops, didn't know that. Yeah, we'll see what happens from this. It's God like, no, God's, I've got this. I've got yeah. this. You're going to die. That's right. Right, you will. You're and saying die. you have the chance to sort your affairs out, you know. It's like. Yes. You, you've, you know, get things ready. You know that, you know, like. You've got a couple of days. You've got a couple of weeks. Mm. Sort stuff out. Yep. Okay, so he turns his face to the wall. Verse 3, remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have always served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Wait, 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 wait. Stop there for a moment. Do you think that he felt a bit abandoned by God at this particular point? Oh, yeah, well, that's his. He's like, God, what do you mean? I've been faithful. Why? Yes. And he's still a young man, and you can understand that. It's like, why would you abandon me right now? I've been doing all of these good things in Israel, and if I die right now, it's all going to come. All my good work is going to come to an end. This project cannot survive without me. Mm. Ever felt that way? Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe not as far as I'm going to die, but but you know, we 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 start projects and we give birth to projects and we own them, and we are just totally invested in in certain projects, and we feel like. We're the ones who are holding this up. We're the ones who are holding this together. If we move on from here, this is going to fall over. Mm. And sometimes I think if it's been a God-led thing, we go, but God, you got this started. Why would you ask me to pull out? I was like, well, it was never actually about you. That's right. You know, it's just like, yeah. And, you know, Paul talks about that, right? He's like, you know, someone watered someone else. So, to- Is this God's this- project or is this your project? That's right. Is this God's kingdom or is this your kingdom? But it's hard when you're invested. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Hezekiah, you know, this is, you know, he's, he's a young man. He's got a lot to do left mm. to bring Israel back to God. They and, have been a long way from God. But he has changed a lot, right? He has. You know, and so he saw the, his father, and you have the history of really terrible yeah. Jewish kings. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I've, yeah, there's work to get to do. What are you talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so you feel. Yeah, I can feel bad for the guy. Mm. I can see why he cries because he's like, he's just feeling abandoned by God. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, okay. Okay, so then, uh, yeah, this message. Let's go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Uh, the context here is that this takes place before the events of chapter 36 and chapter 37. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so Hezekiah is about to be healed and there is about to be a great miracle that is about to take place. And I think this is going to be very, very relevant for Hezekiah when Sennacherib comes because it would be very easy to turn away from God when Sennacherib and the Assyrians are camped in the Judean hills and about to just sort of smash the city of Jerusalem. Mm. It would be hard to trust in God. But when you've had the experience that he is about to have, 
then you would have a testimony, you would have a, an experience that you could go back to in those really trying times because you could see how God had been faithful in the past and you'd seen an, a display of God's power in the past and you could understand that you do serve a God that while you may not be able to see him, he's definitely powerful enough to take on the Assyrians. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, verse 7 says, And this is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. I will cause the sun's shadow to move ten step backwards on the sundial of Ahaz. So the shadow on the sundial moved backward ten steps. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. All right, let's think about all of the really big miracles that God Mm. did. I think this one has to be... I'm putting it at the top of the list, just under conversion. It's laws of nature, man. He's like, no, we'll move the sun, that's fine. As far as the laws of nature miracles goes, I'm putting this one at the top of the list. 100%. So I'm putting this one above the Red Sea crossing. I'm putting this one above uh, the sun standing still. Mm. I guess what? Just let's just think about the physics of this for a moment. How does this actually happen? I don't so know. So the sundial <laughs> goes backwards. Mm. Now the sundial moves because the Earth rotates. Yeah. So what has God actually done here? He's brought our Earth to a screaming halt instantaneously. Bang! Mm. Put the brakes on, right? As if that wouldn't cause an earthquake. <laughs> Then he's spun our earth backwards, right? And then he has spun it back forwards again. It's been spinning forwards ever since. I actually find this really interesting that this is God's choice as a sign too. Like he could just give him the extra years, right? Yes. He could just be like, yeah, you'll just live longer. That's right. And you'll just know because you won't die. Uh-huh. <laughs> so why does he choose this as a sign? I don't know, but it's pretty significant. And okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Um, whose sundial was it? Ahaz. Why would Ahaz need a sundial? I don't know. Who did Ahaz was worship? He wor- I was going to say, was he worshipping the sun? He was worshipping the sun. Yeah. So Ahaz mm. is worshipping the sun, right? Ahaz is a sun worshipper. So this is a God who's bigger and than his sun. And because he's a sun worshipper, mm. he's built himself a sundial so he can keep track of what the sun is doing because all of the ancients who were sun worshippers have sundials so they can keep track of what the sun is doing so that he can worship the sun. So now this becomes also a massive testimony to all the others who were worshipping the sun. Absolutely, because, because you've got a whole bunch of people in Judea who are still mm. worshipping the sun. And um, and somebody's texted in, by the way, this, to say that science can see this event. And it's true. When they're making calculations way, way, way back in time, astronomical calculations, they have to allow for this. Hey. Yes. Interesting. They, they have no explanation for it, but, of course, we do. Interesting. Um, the um, So the... By by specifying, you know, go look at the sundial of Ahaz. Mm-hmm. He's saying, look, Ahaz worshipped the sun. I'm the one who controls the sun. Mm-hmm. Why would you worship the sun? Why would you not worship the one who controls the sun? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you why would you worship something that is under another? Why would you worship a god who is under the thumb of another god? Yeah, you know, if the sun was a god, why wouldn't you worship? Um, you know, man, I have so many questions about this story. Yes. Like. But we haven't got there yet. All right. So, oh. Okay, so we've got uh, we've got Bruce joining us on the phone right oh, now. Cool. He wants to uh, make a comment. So, uh, Bruce, welcome to the show. Hello, Bruce. Ah, we're missing Bruce. Somewhere on the line. Um, we've 
We will a few see. Technical. We, we got another. Oh, we got another text message coming through here. Okay. Anyway, so if you've got some thoughts on this, we would love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what God has done here is He has shown His absolute dominance over the God that is the most powerful God that every mm. pagan nation worships. Mm-hmm. The Assyrians worship this God. The Babylonians worship this God. The Egyptians worship this God. This is the sun God. This is everyone's number one God. And God's like, <laughs> guess what? Mm. It's just a force of nature. And I'm actually a living God. And I created the sun and I know how it works. And watch this. And to be honest, I actually feel like even if something like that happened today, you would still have people who have no spiritual religious belief who'd be like, what is happening? They Do you would. know what I mean? Like this is a significant event. Like this was connected for them to their religion. Yes. But people today, I actually fully believe that some people would be like, no, 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 there's something going on. The fact that that the sun doesn't do that. Why is the sun doing that, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> Even with all our knowledge of how things work, it doesn't make sense. It would like, be just epic to see something like that happen and watch scientists scratch their heads for the next 20, 30 years trying to figure out oh, how forever. the earth spun backwards. Yeah. Should I keep reading? Uh, yeah, keep reading, keep reading. We'll, just, uh, we'll okay. see if we can get Bruce on the phone here. When we do, we'll stop. All right. Okay, so verse 9, when King Hezekiah was well again, he wrote this poem. I said in the prime of my life, must I now enter the place of the dead? Am I to be robbed of the rest of my years? We, I think, are going to try give Bruce a go again. Yep, okay. So, uh, Bruce, are you there this yep. time? Ah, good yeah, on you, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. All right, what I'm, would you like to share? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'd like to share what happened with this, uh, what God did with this miracle of turning the sun backwards on that dial of Ahaz. And what I believe God is doing here, number one, it's um, it's a miracle against nature. You know, it's, it's like an impossibility. And what happens is that actually Hezekiah, when he's healed, he actually becomes like his father was, you know, because God, because his father wanted to do things himself without God, and that's what Ahab, what Hezekiah actually does. Yeah, that he, you know, doesn't uplift God. He just shows all his own stuff. You know, that's and right. So, and so that's what I'm back with. You know, in in that way. Mm-hmm. But the wonderful thing about Hezekiah was that when he was when the prophet told him, he at least humbled himself and acknowledged that. You know, so. Ah, so there's yeah. an object lesson here because the sun goes backwards, Hezekiah goes backwards, but then Hezekiah yeah. repents and Hezekiah goes forwards and the sun goes forwards as well. Yeah. It's kind and of like an object lesson of, of his life. Yeah. And and the thing about it is it's really saying to us, you know, as ourselves, that we just need to rely on God and not our own wisdom and our own way, you know. And mm. it's interesting because we know that heathens worship the sun, you know. And yet yeah. God's in control of the sun, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Bruce, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with us. I think that's an excellent thought right there that um, this is a this is an object lesson of Hezekiah and of his mm. life. And if only he had seen it when it was happening, he may have been able to, you know, avoid making that state mistake of going backwards and becoming like his father mm. and then having to repent and go forwards again. How many times have we all done that? This is a bit of a can of worms, which is not where we're reading, but I've just been thinking as we're talking so God comes to him before he's died to say, I'm going to give you time to sort stuff out, right? Yes. So you know, this is a heads yes. up. He says his prayer. God says, I've heard you. I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayer. 
I'm going to do this amazing sign, which is going to be a you know witness to everyone. Yes. But then we see as his life goes on, with that extra time, he becomes the father to Manasseh, mm. who mm. becomes one of the terrible kings. A complete psychopath. Yeah. Probably the worst ruler in history, and there's mm. been some really bad ones. Yeah. And he also, when people come, he just shows them riches instead mm. of glorifying God. And it just kind of, it's just a question I have, right? It's like, when is there a time that does God hear our prayers and because because we call out to his faithfulness, he goes, okay, I've heard you, but actually it's not the best thing. Because we see the same thing happen with Moses, right? He's like, I'm going to destroy these people. Like Moses like, no, 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 no. Does it make it worse when God answers our prayers? Oh, a what of- a can of worms. Right? Man, listen to Minnie open a can <laughs> no, of worms just, right here. No, want to hear what your thoughts are. <laughs> does Does God sometimes make it worse by answering our prayers? Love to hear your thoughts on this. 1-800-324-843 is our number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. What are your thoughts on what Minnie does? Okay. I'm not saying, it's by the very way. Ra- yeah. very, very valid what you, th- what you said. And I'm just going to toss in um, one thought there mm. as to why this story is in the Bible. I believe this story is in the Bible so that we can trust God on whatever he says. 100%, yeah. Because, you know, if Hezekiah had died, there would have been another king come to the throne and God would have been in control of that whole story and that whole narrative. We don't know how it would have worked out. But because Hezekiah didn't die, Mm. Manasseh was born and the Babylonians did find the treasure in Jerusalem and some years later they didn't forget about it and they came and took it all. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so somebody's texted in to take you to task here, Minnie. Okay, go on then. Um, so your statement implies that God makes mistakes and doesn't know what the future holds for you. Look, I probably didn't word it very well. I was saying to Lyle of her, I was like, hold on, this isn't a conclusive thought yet. It's just a thought. All right, but I am going to say this. Mm-hmm. I believe that one of the reasons that this story is here are for those people who teach that if you have enough faith, God will always answer your prayer. Mm. And so you've got two stories in the Bible that challenge that. One is the story of Hezekiah where God's like, yeah, okay, I'll answer your prayer, but it wasn't the best idea. Mm. And if Hezekiah had had his time over again, would he have chosen to do that? If mm-hmm. And if he'd been able to look back from our perspective and see that Manasseh would be born and you know the horrific things that Manasseh would do and all those people that would die? Would that have been the case? Uh, so, you know, there is, so I think there's a very important lesson there that God is communicating to us. The other, of course, is Paul's Paul's story where uh, he had a disease mm. where he prayed three times for God to take it away and three times God said no. Yes. Yeah. And Paul was certainly a man of faith. And so you've got one you've got one instance where God changes his mind and you've got another instance where God doesn't change his mind and both of them are there to illustrate that God knows what is best in all circumstances. Now, was it ultimately for God's plan? Yes, God knew he was going to change his mind beforehand. We know that. We get that. Mm. And, you know, this is why God, you know, put this whole story together is so that we can we can learn these lessons. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is a great lesson right there. Trust in God, whatever God says. We have another comment by Bruce that has said, 
Uh, sometimes God lets us see the intent of our heart, like with when God allowed the people to have a king, you know, giving the people a king, even though God was like, this isn't the best idea. But yes, okay, I'll allow for this, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's still a, I think someone said to me once that there's a difference between God's perfect will and God's permissive will. Like I will allow this or this is ideal for you. Um, anyway, it was just a thought. It wasn't like a, this is what I think. I was like, <laughs> I'm contemplating. And then I said it out loud, which possibly isn't always the best choice. <laughs> no, but it was a good thought. It's, one, it's something that I think we need to discuss and to, and to talk about and, and, and I appreciate those people that have... Um, Text in with their mm. messages in, in, in relationship to it. We better keep reading. Okay, so much to cover in such a small, small space of time. Isaiah 39, go for it, Minnie. Oh, have we done another Cliffrack Wits? Ooh, it no does not come up for we me. We didn't even have a bragging rights one on this one. No one. Oh, we've got one. We've oh, got one. We've got one. Okay. One for bragging rights. I was like, surely someone always has bragging rights, except when they don't. But <laughs> um, so my thing is not loading just yet with my um, – shall I start to read? And we'll come yeah, back just, to it. Just start reading. We'll okay. come back to it. So, chapter 39. Soon after this, Meridoc Badaladan, son of uh, Hezekiah, uh, what? King of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. He had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick and that he had recovered. Hezekiah was delighted with the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to the king Hezekiah and asked him, What did those men want? Where did they come from? Hezekiah replied, They came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? asked Isaiah. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasuries. Then then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to this message from the Lord of Heaven's armies. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, At least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Just going to pause for a sec. I'm just going to give you the next clue while I think of it. Yes. Okay, so I was a Baal worshipper. This is a who am I. It was I'm a princess that became a queen. I'm the daughter of Ethbaal. I got doled up and tried to impress someone. And clue number four, I was a Baal worshipper. Who was this person, if you know, text us on 0491-064-669 or call us 1-800-FAITH-FM. Yes, so. All right, so let's let's break this, this story down a little bit. We need to talk about it. Mm. He is healed of his disease, and one of the great superpowers in the world takes note. Yes, and sends some ambassadors to congratulate him for being healed. Mm. Now, do you think that a great empire like the Babylonian Empire, a rival of Assyria, do you think that they would typically take notice of a tiny micro kingdom, a vassal king of the Assyrian Empire, to say some nice things to him and send, you know, a whole a whole list of uh, high officials and ambassadors to congratulate, you know, every tiny little chieftain who is healed of a disease. Well, no, but this has the significant aspect with the sun. 
That's right? exactly right. So why was it that they came from far, far away in Babylon? Mm-hmm. The answer is very simple. They were keen sun worshippers in Babylon, as they were in the whole world, and they saw, like everybody did, the sun go backwards in the night, in the day sky, mm-hmm. and uh, that would have had them in an absolute flurry trying to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then they have heard that this was in response to uh, the king of Judah's prayer, and so they're like, okay, so we have the sun god and then we have this Judean god called Yahweh and Yahweh trumps the sun god? Mm. And then they look at it a little bit closer and they're like, and Yahweh is the god of a kingdom that has broken away from the and found independence from the Assyrian Empire and we are not independent from the Assyrian Empire but we want to be independent from the Assyrian Empire. We need to get to know this God. Yeah, we got to know. All right, so the Babylonians have sent a whole embassage, if you want to use that word, if it is a word, um, but they have sent a whole entourage of high court officials to go down there to Judea and to investigate what's going on. Mm. Who is this God? Who is this Yahweh? And at this particular point, we can stop right there and we can take a moment to dabble in some alternative history. Imagine when they arrived if Hezekiah said, sit down, let me tell you about Yahweh. That's right, yeah. And told them the whole gospel story, taking them on a tour of the temple and showed the gospel in practice and those men had been converted. Mm. Would that have been a difficult process? Conversion is the same. The gospel has the same power regardless of the time period in which you live. That's right, yeah. Let's imagine that those Babylonians had gone back to Babylon converted to the worship of Yahweh, converted to the worship of God. And when they had got back there, they'd have gone to Merodach Baladan and said, Merodach Baladan, you need to get yourself down to Jerusalem. You need to get to know this God, regardless of whether we get rid of the Assyrians or not. Mm. This is the God you need to be worshipping. How much would that have changed history? Oh, imagine. Because now you've got got a superpower Mm. that adopts the worship of the true God long before Nebuchadnezzar does. Imagine if by the time Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar come along, they had generations of serving God. Mm. This was the opportunity that was missed by Hezekiah and in missing it, world history was dramatically changed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, what have you got? It is now time for... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's time or something. (laughs) This is a bit of... um... Question of the day. Okay, our question for today is regarding Daniel 9, verse 26 to 27. Brett, one of our listeners, wants to know who is the prince and his people. Okay, so in Daniel chapter 9, I'll just read this one here. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, the Bible says, and after 62 weeks, shall Messiah be cut off? But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and under the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Uh, somebody wants to know who is the prince that is mentioned here, and going right along with that, who is the he 
that confirms the covenant for many with, with many for one week in verse 27. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to work our way down through the passage. This is a very short passage. It's only four verses long. And we're going to look for context. This is a prophecy that is given to Daniel. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going, sorry, verse 24, 70 weeks are cut off for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Let's stop there for a moment. Mini, who is it that made reconciliation for iniquity? Well, Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. And when the Bible speaks about anointing the most holy, what building is that? The sanctuary. That's the sanctuary. So we have the Messiah mm. and we have the sanctuary that is mentioned in verse 24 and there is a time period for all these things to happen. Yeah. So this is a time prophecy. It's like this is when all this is going to happen. Verse 25 gives you the starting date. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem unto who? The anointed one. The Messiah. Yeah. Yep. The prince shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street will be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Okay. So verse 25 now, you have the same sequence. It first references the Messiah and then it references the city and the temple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so verse 24 mentions the Messiah bringing in reconciliation for iniquity, then mentions anointing the most holy, the temple. Mm -hmm. Verse 25 mentions the Messiah, what time he would come, and then mentions the city and the temple and them being rebuilt during troublous times. Mm. So you've got Messiah the Prince right here. Okay, then you continue on from there. The Bible says, and after 62 weeks, shall who be cut off? The Messiah again. Messiah. Mm. So what we, if we're going to follow the same sequence, what would you expect to come after that? Something to do with the temple. Something to do with the city and the or temple. temple yeah. That's right. After 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. That was when Jesus died on Calvary, obviously. And the people of the prince that shall come. So this is not Messiah the prince now. This is just a prince that shall come. The Messiah is already there and he's already died, but there is a prince coming. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So notice the sequence we've got once again. Messiah and then city temple. Shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and under the end of the war desolations are determined. Okay, so we simply then look at history and ask ourselves the question, after Messiah was cut off, after Jesus died on Calvary, who was the prince that came and destroyed the city? That was Titus. Titus the Roman came and destroyed the city. This is all well understood in history. Then the Bible goes on and says, and he shall confirm the covenant. Now this he here, is this the Messiah or is this the Roman general Titus? Well, it is written in the context of the covenant mm. to begin with. And if we work down through our same sequence, in each verse you go from Messiah to city temple. Messiah City temple, Messiah, city temple. And now you come to verse 27. The first one is the he that confirms the covenant. There's only one covenant in the Bible. Mm. It's the everlasting covenant. So then that he is going to be the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And then we would expect to have some verses or some words about the city and the temple. That's exactly what we've got. He will confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the middle of the week he will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That's what Jesus did when he died on Calvary. 
And then it says, And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it, the sanctuary, desolate. Even until the consummation, that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's a reference to the city and the sanctuary, just as we would expect. Okay, so you have a prince in verse 26 is the Roman general Titus. Mm. And the he in verse 27 is the Messiah. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.